welcome back with your favorite co-host. Um, I am the lovely Martina, and this is the lovely Lisette. And welcome back to uh, Perspectives. Um, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify or iTunes, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, we are back with part two with a very important guest today. If you have not listened to part one, we recommend that you go back and listen to that. We really got into some good conversation. Our guest today is a housing champion uh, in her field. Um, and we really just got into some questions, the questions and things that we talk about on here, but it's nice to have a expert in the field who can answer questions and just kind of talk about all the realness that are happening out there. And with that, we're gonna jump right into it. But before I'll turn it over to Lisette to add anything you'd like. Yeah, no, I think um, if you did listen to part one, uh, I think on this uh, second part, I think we're gonna dig in into more of the nonprofit conversation, right? Into um, Lisette's kind of journey in nonprofit. Uh, some of the issues that exist with a nonprofit, maybe, maybe you'll kind of uh, be open uh, to uh, discuss some of those things. Um, but like Martina mentioned, if you have not listened to part one, I definitely uh, encourage you. Uh, we really got into the conversation around housing, but even more so a detail about gentrification and sort of that. So definitely take a listen to part one. We'll make sure it's linked uh uh into the the show notes and everything so you guys can go quickly and access that but i think one of the the reasons lisette we really wanted to uh bring you uh into this space into the conversation is because you know both martina and i i'm still a nonprofit. martina was a nonprofit, and you know i've been a nonprofit. i'm at more almost 11 12 years um in, in the nonprofit industry um and there are things that sometimes I'm like whoa like is this just an issue at my nonprofit like or is this something that is you know part of just the nonprofit industry right just uh, it is an industry a lot of times you forget it is a business like uh just because it's based on donations and all of this and you know you're giving back and all that end of the day a lot of uh nonprofits operates as businesses so mm -hmm. um we really want to kind of have uh your kind of point of view and, and some of that but before we dig in really just want to get um a little bit of how you ended up in your current role like how was that journey for you particularly as uh, a woman of color uh, we do know that women face a lot of barriers in uh, the professional realm. It doesn't even matter what industry you're in. You're always going to hit some some barriers. There's always going to be someone questioning maybe your uh, abilities um, and things like that. So I just want to get some insight into how was that journey for you to get to where you're, you are now as a nonprofit leader um, and really sort of this executive level that you're in. Um, so I'd love to just kind of start off from there and wherever it takes us, we'll kind of go from there. There's a little part of me that's like, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know how I got there. <laughs> <laughs> just like, woke up one day and was like, oh my gosh, I'm in charge of an organization. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, the big thing was that I started doing like direct service in the housing world, right? Where it was like literally like, how do you find someone in apartment? Um, and then at some point I was like, cool, cool, can't do this anymore. This is mm -hmm. terrible. Like this is burning me out. Um, and that was because I was working in Logan Square where, you know, it's like you have done all the right things. You have done all the things that like you have been, um, told are like the, the, the appropriate things for you to do and still cannot afford to live here. Like, I get it. Your kids go to school and like down the street and you, um, you know, you volunteer at the school and you do all these things. It's like, yeah, nope, can't, can't help you. Like you can't afford to live in the neighborhood because the average cost of housing has gone up drastically. And so 
um, in sort of being burnt out from there, I was like, all right, cool. And then um, I was given the opportunity to work in nonprofit from the admin side, where it's just like, okay, do you want to do some development work? Um, and I was like, no, but did it anyway, right? Like, it's like, mm, okay, yes. Um, and it, you know, that taught me a lot. And I felt like that was, um, the admin side was maybe like a better place for me. Um, because I think it takes very, um, it, it takes a specific kind of person. I don't know if they're special in like some particular way or whatever, but like to do direct service for a long period of time. And there are people that I know that have done that. And you're like, you are, you are built different. Like I am, I am not built that way. Um, but I believed in the mission of what the organization was doing. It gave me the flexibility to like, um, continue to like be on boards and volunteer and lead committees and chair stuff with other nonprofits. Um, and so that was really great. Um, and then at some point I was like, cool. Um, I have given blood, sweat and tears to this organization, like literally blood, sweat and tears. Um, so I'm, I'm good. It's been like a decade. I'm, I'm gonna move on. Um, and then in sort of determining what the last step was, like my next step was, I was like, for a while, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do anything but like sleep till like noon every single day. And then um, the second, and it feels very much like the very second that I would like put out into the universe, like, okay, I think I'm ready to like start looking at the next step. Like I get a call. It's like this organization is in need of some like help during the transition. And I was like, cool, I can totally do that. I, I've done a lot of transition work now because I was at the other organization for so long. Um, and then I was like, I'll just do that for a few months. And then it's been three years now. And it turned out that um, at some point I was like, I guess it wasn't transitional. And then the longer that I do this work, the more I think, well, maybe it's that transition, particularly a nonprofit, isn't a six-month process. Oh. It's a six-year process. It's a 10-year process. Um, and so, yeah, I, I ended up here because I had some skills in development. I had some experience through transitions, through some typical transitions at various points. Um, and I was like, okay, that's great. And then um, I knew housing and I was passionate about housing. And I still had a huge learning curve to learn um, sort of the development side of housing, um, which is um, dominated by folks who have been in the industry for a very long time. So I definitely have folks who are like, do you know what you're doing? And it's like, well, I don't have as much experience as you, but like, I'm a quick study. We can figure this out together. Um, and it's also dominated by men. You know, like there are some, there are some uh, fabulous women who um, I know that, you know, are my peers. Um, and there's a lot of men who are my peers. And you're like, okay, this is, this is, this is rough some days. Um, and so we, you know, um, we persevere. That's always what it feels like, right? Like you persevere yeah. and you're like, okay, I can do this. Um, and there's definitely some days where it's like, I, I don't have like the energy to do this anymore, you know? And there's also the days where it's like, I'm gonna fight a different battle today. Like, I'm gonna let you do you because I can't fight this battle today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save that for another day because I'm tired and because I have a ton of other things to do. And because as we mentioned in the last episode, because I care, I care a lot about a bunch of different things. And so, you know what, I can't, I can't prioritize this right now. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up here. Martina. Well, I think, you know, you touched on, well, I don't think, you touched on a few different things. I think, you know, particularly another thing we talk about on our podcast is the patriarchy. And, you know, you mentioned working with a lot of men. I don't know if they're a lot of brats or a lot of chads. I don't know what they look like, but sometimes it can be difficult working with the opposite sex, mm -hmm. uh, as we all know. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you're at the top of your, of your field, you know, how have you navigated or have you, you know, run into challenges working with male colleagues as you know, because sometimes I feel, and this probably is going to sound very one-sided, I think women can have a, a natural, just a, a very natural empathy for mm -hmm. other people. 
and not to say men can't, but I do think in, in the work that you're doing and in the work in nonprofit, you really do have to care. You have to be empathetic and sympathetic to what people are going through. And a lot of us have our own lived experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, when I was a nonprofit, I would find that not everybody, you know, we all, we didn't all sort of struggle to like get to where we are. It's from some people, it just kind of happened to them. And, and to really get back to the question, how, how did you navigate or how are you still navigating that, even though now you're at the top of the game, the challenges that come with being a female leader, especially, you know, in nonprofit, in the, in the housing industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely like being a female, being a woman of color um, will always, no matter what the position is, right? It like doesn't change those things. Right. It's kind of like, again, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Uh, it's like racism. It's like basic. Right. And so it's like, I am a woman of color. As long as racism is there, there's going to be an issue. Right. I, we live in a patriarchal society. So as long as I'm a woman, that is going to be an issue. And so, you know, I, I, I could be like, you know, a queen <laughs> rule all the world. Right. And it still wouldn't matter. Like I would still be those things and those things would still pose an issue. Um, and so I think, you know, I think most situations are, are different, right? Like, I don't know that there's a one size fits all at any situation that I could think of where I've like been there. Um, I think generally, I definitely like, and, you know, referring to like the empathy and the sympathy you're talking about, part of what I'm, I generally approach, and I think this is true across multiple sectors of my life, where it's like, you don't get to change who I am, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you are going to be a jerk and that is fine. And whereas I will not let you take advantage of me for that, I will not let you rob me of the sympathy and the empathy that like, I think, you know, we should have, you know? And again, there's definitely moments where I'm like, nope, don't like you, just going to move on. But like, it's not, um, it, it's like, how do I like maintain who... I am and who I want to be out in the world. Um, there are definitely moments where I fail at that. And there are definitely moments where I just like sit there and I'm just like, all right, I'm tired of fighting you. And I'm just gonna sit here and look at you while you like explain to me the work that I've been doing for 20 years. Mansplain. You're gonna mansplain it away to me. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna sit here because I'm tired because I can't fight every fight and I've, I really have come to like terms with like, it can feel disappointing to not fight every fight, right? Where like later, like I think about it and I'm like, I should have said this or I should have said that or I should have done this or should have done that. Um, but I, I work on like accepting the fact that I can't for like myself and like what the things that do matter to me. Like, because this, like, you know, my, my mental health and my mental well-being for the sake of my staff and for the sake of anyone else that, like, is looking to me for any sort of leadership, that just means that there are some moments where I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to engage because I'm not going to spend the brain space doing that because I got 75 other problems and I'm just not going to make you one of them. Um, and that can be hard because some days I'm like, damn it, like, I need to, like, be more whatever more powerful in that moment or whatever it's like you know I gotta I can't do it all um and there's some days where you do where you step and you're like okay I hear you but mm -hmm. here is actually the thing that I am trying to say you know um and it's like if your tactic is going to be that you are going to speak over me then great I will we will return that like, I will, I will speak over you, you know, um, you know, when you explain something and you're like, well, I think what was said is like, nope, not what I said. What I meant was this, uh, this other thing. Um, and the other thing too, that I, and I think maybe this is my belief in community. I always look for the allies, you know, I always look for like the woman in the room whose eye I can catch and we can like look at each other and be like, okay, how do we want to do this? Do you back you up? Do you back me up? Are we both just going to sit here and let them like have their dumb conversation and then like we'll be over here? Um, you know, like how do we, you know, how do how we want to do this together? You know, because there's, you know, when we know it, you know, and I've definitely looked at colleagues, female colleagues, and been like, 
oh, have you been doing this for 30 years? Mm. You know, and, you know, learning their secrets, right? And sometimes, and it's, and it's what I've heard from other folks, right? It's like, sometimes you fight it and sometimes you're just like, okay, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to let you, let you do your thing because if you want to spend the energy explaining to me, explaining something to me that I've been doing for 20 years, then great. You, you spend your energy on that. I'm not going to spend my energy fighting you. Um, but every, every one of those choices is fraught. Every one of those choices is hard. And every one of those choices I will like question later. Um, and, you know, and, and it takes really like being able to talk to others who go through similar things to like come to terms where it's like, okay, you know what? I did the right thing. It's fine. I got 99 other things to do. Thank you for being honest with that because, um, I, you know, it's, it's difficult navigating the world as a person of color, a woman of color, but definitely if you're in leadership, I think mm -hmm. all the time, sometimes it can be people that are just like you. They don't always have faith in what you're doing, especially, and you know that's not true because you know why you're in this industry and why you're doing the work. And it's great to hear how you've been able to um, kind of, I don't want to say accept, but you've mm -hmm. been able to navigate, navigate the world um, and just like, you know, hey, like you say, you got 75 problems and this is not one that you want to deal with and I got too much that I'm trying to do. Um, and, you know, I think that's a, a transition that I got that I was pulling out of this is that um, I know one of the big things that, again, that we talk about on here um, is that nonprofits are out here saving the world. They are doing God's work. But oftentimes, that work is hard, and the hours can be crazy, and you wear so many hats. Like, you may not just be a leader. You know, you got to get out there and do the work. You know, you got to maybe make copies or something. Everybody has to do multiple things, and it brings me to burnout, how that's just such a big thing, I think, just across the industries as whole, and I think, you know, since, since we've been in the pandemic and in COVID, I think, you know, a lot of the work that we do hasn't stopped. This work has still been going. And if anything, COVID and the civil unrest has just perpetuated everything much more. And so really would love to hear how you have been able to deal with burnout, whether it's for yourself or even just for different colleagues that you've worked with or those that work under you. Because it's to me, it's just like nonprofits do it all, but they can't do it all. Mm -hmm. But they're trying to do it all. And we only have 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it has been um, prizing flexibility above all else. Mm -hmm. um, I tell myself all the time, like, I don't care when you get it done. Whatever works for you, so long as you are accountable to your colleagues, you're accountable to the people that we're serving, accountable to, you know, whoever's giving us the money that we got to write the report for later. Um, but like, I'll be flexible. I will, I will bend over in flexibility so long as, um, you know, the work is getting done. And i and I try to have that same grace for me. I don't, I'm not always succeed at it. You know, there are definitely some moments where it's like, okay, I'm going to take like an hour of my day to like run a personal errand. And then I feel guilty the whole day where I'm like, oh God, I'm like, I like, I, like I should, I've got seven other things to do, you know? Um, but I do try to like practice like that as part of it. Um, and then, you know, we were talking about, I, I took some time off last week and there's a part of me that's like, I don't think that was worth it. And then there's another part of me. It's like, no, it was worth it. It was worth it to like, get to like sleep in a little bit. Um, I didn't realize like, um, being a geriatric millennial, I'm often, <laughs> you know, of the like up early these days kind of thing, like naturally and like, but my body, like while we were, um, while I was off was like, oh yeah, we can sleep. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know you needed that, you know, like, cool, cool. Got it. Um, so definitely like, you know, doing some of that and even in like taking time off, sometimes it can be like, if it's not a really big production or it's not a really big deal, it's like, oh, well, you know, like, did you go anywhere? And it's like, no, I turned off the notifications on my phone and like, didn't answer it and like sat and like, you know, did other stuff that I found more enjoyable than like, you know, just sitting all day. Um, and 
I think that that can be really important too, you know, and I, I'm a big fan of like, don't like no vacation day left behind, like use your vacation days, um, you know, and I think that, you know, we, we generally will close at the end of the year too, between like Christmas and New Year's. It's like, there's no need for that to be like off of your vacation time, because I already know that you if you don't use your vacation time at the end of the year, you're going to send emails to people that are all out of the office. Like everybody else is out of the office. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like that kind of stuff can be just like literally giving people time back, particularly in the nonprofit space. And, you know, this was the first nonprofit I worked at. Um, the big thing was, of course, we were like, you know, broke. Like it was a poor broke nonprofit as many of them like are especially the smaller ones it's like so the thing that we can pay you in is in time off it's in flexibility it's in all of the other things that like make it worth it to continue to be passionate about a mission um and you know even even now where we can you know where we can afford a little more in terms of salaries and all of that i feel like that flexibility and that like time off and and just like not nickel and diming people over anything so that it is in like this mental health crisis where it's like I need to like clock in exactly eight hours and it's like I don't you do whatever you got to do and if you can figure out a way to get your work done like in less than 40 hours like more power to you mm -hmm. you know I mean you're, you're doing the work of three people so yeah. you know if you can figure out how to do that better great do it you know but like um yeah, I think those are those are the really big things. And again, time off doesn't have to be a big production. It doesn't have to like cost money. It can just literally be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off all the notifications and I'm just gonna let it be. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard and it's anxiety producing, again, for those of us who care. But um, we all have to practice it a little bit. And sometimes it helps to have someone who can hold you accountable to that. You know, a partner, a friend, somebody who can be like we're we're not working today it's like okay no put my phone down and put it away and, and we'll be done with it it'll be great yeah it's so it's so great to hear you as a leader right as someone who oversees an organization talk about um flexibility not just for yourself but for staff mm -hmm. for the organization um time being so important and precious because i think um, one thing I learned just from going through the you know last two three years is how important time with family is, how important just time with friends, and just even time with yourself. Like just like you said, just like disconnect. I mean, I'll take a day off and I'll just you know watch some movies, read a book, and just kind of disconnect with like no big production, um, and without having to feel guilty or anxious about it like I think even just the, the idea of running a personal errand during company time when it's like no like it's okay like you have the flexibility like you know like one thing and it's like so it's just so great to kind of hear you kind of share that that perspective and and that viewpoint of like hey this is this is really where the workplace should be going and, and, and is going, where people are valuing that flexibility, that time of like, I don't need to dedicate 40 hours to a job that maybe I can do in 30 hours, <laughs> you know? So, you know, but there's still this idea of like, if you're not accounting for every hour of your day, and like it's like that that's anxiety inducing because sometimes you're like ah oh, did I forget to do something like did I accomplish everything and it's like but then you're just kind of looking for something else to do because you're like this is now it's too early for me to be done for the day or it's too you know there's just you know so I think it's it's so great to hear you say like hey I trust you to do what you gotta do and if you're account if you are accountable to your colleagues to the people that we're serving. And to, to those that, that fund us, you mm -hmm. know, as long as we're meeting those still rules, like, that's what matters. Yeah. You know, if you, if you do it in 30 hours versus 40, hey, I'm, we're not going to, I'm not going to dock your pay because you did it in 30. Like, hey, you know, good for you for figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> Teach me your ways. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like and it's nonprofit. We're all doing like three jobs, right? Yeah. So like I definitely, you know, like spent time trying to figure out why the copier is jamming and you know, like hunting down like housing applications and figuring out like all of that. You know, we all do all sorts of things. And so, you know, I think generally we we have to do like I just I think we have to just do right by the people who want to work in nonprofit, right? Because sometimes we become very like nonprofit industrial complex. And it's like, you know, we've got all of these like things to put out. And like the best and highest way to do that is to um behave like our corporate counterparts. And it's like, or we could not behave like our corporate counterparts. Um, and really like meet people where they're at. And like, in that sense, it's like a lot of it is like practicing what we preach, you know, like the best nonprofits out there are the ones that like the people that they are serving, they're listening to them, they're meeting them where they're at, like they're, they're meeting their needs, they're like teaching them to advocate for themselves. And it's like, if we're not practicing that internally, like, what are we doing? And not to say that, you know, we certainly, uh, no place I've ever worked it's gotten that down perfectly. Like, you know, there are moments where it's like, oh, well, that didn't work quite the way we had hoped. Um, or, you know, that's not quite a standard that we are meeting despite like our best effort. But, you know, I think that we, in nonprofit, it should be the standard to say we're not corporate. Like, if you want to be nonprofit, just be nonprofit and nonprofit can have its own standards. And that's part of what I think can continue to attract people to work in nonprofit, you know, because we can be flexible because we can say like, yeah, we get it. You got to pick your kid up home from school. You got to pick your kid up to come home from school. Like, you know, let's do that. Why, why, why would we want to be the people who are like, nope, can't do that. Like, what are you, what are we doing out here? Um, and I think uh, it's like very much, I like to think of like putting the whole person first. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not naive, right? Ultimately, like it is an employer employee relationship. Like we are working, you are earning a paycheck and wages and stuff. But like, if we can do that and get as close as we possibly can to saying like, I get it, you have a whole life and you are a whole person and like your work is just part of that, um, I think that's exactly what we should be doing. And, uh, and again, definitely don't get it right all the time, but you know, we're, we're trying. Well, as a person that's been in the corporate world now for about two years, that is one of the things I miss about the nonprofit world. I would say some of the best people I've met, and oh, you're wrong, I've liked my coworkers, most of them, I'll say mm -hmm. that now where I'm working. But some of the best people I've met have been in nonprofits mm -hmm. and have lifelong I, lifelong friendships I could see. Like these are people I've cried with, I've laughed with, I've brainstormed with. They've had to be straight up with me and get me back on track, you know, and I've done the same for them. And there's a certain camaraderie that's mm -hmm. in nonprofit that, I mean, and again, the, the corporate folks, cool. They cool. They cool. But it's, this, it's, it's a certain environment that you only get when you work in a world of nonprofit. And you mentioned about the flexibility. I feel like now, even though I was not in corporate prior to COVID, mm -hmm. I feel like only recently because of COVID, more people in the corporate world may be becoming more flexible because mm -hmm. a lot of us are still working remotely. And mm -hmm. realize we have parents, we have people that are uh, caregivers and caretakers. Um, they may have to take their mom to the, to the doctor's office. They may have to pick their kid up early from school. And going into the corporate world, that's just things I didn't really think people were flexible about. And I, I've, I've seen a little bit of that, but it's just, again, going back, when you think about corporate, that's just not how you think things function. And like, you don't bend and it's all about a dollar, you know, and that's, that's, that's the thing. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the dollar that pays. But there's just nothing like, I would say, being in that nonprofit environment, um, again, some of the best people I have ever met. And mm -hmm. I, I love, love the friendships and the work I was doing. Because I know a number of us that, where I work now, 
we come from, uh, whether it's grassroots, working in communities, um, and we're all trying to get on those projects that have those elements to it because we miss that part. We miss engaging with uh, community members, even if it's just being a part of a, of a focus group, just having that direct contact with the people who are actually living this and the people that we're serving. And I think most of the time people can be up here in yeah. their little tower, but yeah. you gotta come down here to be able to understand and realize that we're all trying to do the same thing. Um, so I'll let you go, because I see you have something. It, just, it makes me think that, it makes me think that one of the things that like, I remember thinking early on, particularly in COVID, right, where um, we were so physically distant from each other, but like suddenly everyone's taking their like meetings from home and so you're like oh man I didn't know you had a kid I didn't know you had a dog I can hear your kids and your husband in the background like we're all like it's like it's actually in some ways was like slightly more intimate because it's like you're like in my house with me and you can hear like all the things that are happening no matter how hard I try and no many how many times like I'm putting you on mute so you can't hear like the blender going back here like you know like things are still happening and and I think that um, it's been a, some of that realization that has really, I think, pushed corporate America to move a little bit, right? Like, where it's like, we're all in this situation, whether or not you are like the CEO or whether you're the frontline worker, like, we're all at home trying to deal with something. Yeah. And I think, and, and again, I feel, I feel strongly that like, nonprofit has to like be at the forefront of this because I think we have to practice what we preach. I also just think it'll be good business for us because Gen Z is coming for us. They really are. Yeah. Gen Z is not going to do the thing that like we've been doing for better or worse. Like they are not. And so like better start being adaptable now, better start like being flexible now because Gen Z is not putting up with any of the stuff that we've put up with. Like, so gotta gotta get on that and you know i in some ways i think that that is also what is like driving a little bit of corporate america to work but again i think nonprofits should be at the at the front of the line here because this, that's a place where i think we can be really competitive with corporate america because a place where we often cannot be and that is because of capitalism is in the money right like how many times can we not afford to pay what you can get in the private sector for something? So like the places that we can be competitive, we have to be highly competitive and it has to be then in this flexibility and time off and mental health and like building spaces where that camaraderie is happening so that you can build those lifelong friendships and you're like, okay, cool. I can, I can do this. Um, because until like we figure out, you know, in this capitalistic society, like the essentialness of nonprofit, we're always going to get the shorter than the stick in terms of how much we're able to um, afford and raise and, and give to those who are working for us. You bring it, you bring up such a good kind of point of pay mm -hmm. and sort of even just the pay disparity that does exist in nonprofit. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that I think a lot of both large and small nonprofits are having to grapple with. And to your point of like, how do you sit down and really say, what, what do we offer that, you know, a corporate salary won't offer you? And I think that that's such a huge thing that has to be taken seriously because to your point, you know, you got Gen Z, you got younger millennials. Uh, even just, I think, just millennials who are like, you know what? I've been in nonprofit for a very long time and I haven't gotten maybe what I really want out of it or I haven't been able, like, mm -hmm. is that part of the problem? Like, maybe I just need to look out somewhere. Or I need to see this. And I think you saw so much of, you know, what was coined the great resignation of people right. realizing, like, I need to prioritize me. Mm -hmm. I prioritized you know, the nonprofit world, I've, I prioritize helping others and I didn't prioritize myself and I've, I'm burned out. I've been doing the work of three, four people or, you know, someone leaves and I just have to, you know, take it on. And I think that's such a, a great point that you bring on because it's like, what do you offer 
that can really just offset that corporate salary because mm-hmm. when you're making when you're making six figures you know and whether it's the low or high six figures for a lot of times a lot of the work there's so many now corporate social responsibility there's all these kind of just jobs that your skill set in nonprofit translates great into this corporate world now you're kind of like oh nonprofits need to, like to your point like need to figure that out and so yeah. i love that you brought that up because it, it is such a real thing uh yeah. that we're that i'm seeing like just from you know whether it's colleagues whether it's you know other peers that are in other nonprofits who are like you know we're having a hard time hiring we're having because people are coming in asking for six figures yeah. and we can't give them six figures and it's like and it's a lot of gen z and even millennials who are coming in mm-hmm. saying like, hey, this is what I'm worth. Yeah. I know what you're going to ask me to do. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is what I need. I also think, right, that, in, and again, going back to like the, the organizing term of like the, you know, living in the world as it is, but just the world as it should be. I think that the flip side of that coin has to be that as nonprofits, we also have to be super vocal about the fact that we should be able to pay our folks more, right? It's like, we're going to live in the world as it is. And the world as it is dictates that I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to give time off. I'm going to build a great environment. I'm going to do all of these things to attract people despite the salary. But I'm also going to work for the world as it should be, which is that we have to stop pretending that nonprofits like should be paying their people pennies because they're doing this out of the goodness of their hearts or that they should be um, out here saying like, oh, well, you're basically like volunteers. Right. And it's like, no, these are highly skilled, highly educated people who deserve to be paid all of these things. And like every, every sector has to like wake up to the fact that like you cannot be like giving us money that like isn't allowing us to pay our folks um, a living wage because yes, they can love the mission and the vision and the organization and all the other things, but they also got to pay the rent. You know, like if they're lucky to like, you know, want and be able to afford home ownership, they got to pay the mortgage or simply, you know, you're taking care of mom and dad, you're taking care of the kids, you know, the turtle, whatever it is, like you're out here trying to also like make it. And so I think that we also as a sector have to fight together to really look at like all of the people that are controlling the purse strings and be like, Mm -hmm. no, you have to give us enough money so that we can pay people what they deserve and they deserve just as much as their corporate counterparts you know like there's there's no reason why someone in corporate america should like reasonably be making more because you know what without nonprofits no one else gets to do any other stuff either mm-hmm. like we are an essential part of what is happening because corporate america isn't just picking up the slack for trickle down economics is not working like because government isn't just being like, yes, here, we're going to solve all the problems. They're not. Like, we're out here. Nonprofits are in the gap. So then, like, if we're going to be in the gap, you got to pay us like we are in the gap. Um, and I think that, that that has to be a crucial part of the fight that we have. If we are in the gap, you got to pay us like we're in the gap. In the gap. Yes. Someone write that down. <laughs> and so I'm, glad, I'm glad this is recorded because that is a good quote. <laughs> Good quote, listen. Oh, go ahead, Martina. I know you got something. Well, no, I was just, I just really, you know, again, that's something that we've often talked about is that pay disparity, um, and you can even see that between the smaller nonprofits and the larger ones, um, because I've worked for both, and it is the differences in those in those resources, um, and so to just hear you talk so passionately about that. It's just so true because I think people who are outside nonprofit, like I said, they think, you know, you're doing God's work. Like, thank God for you. Like, you're doing so great, but you still got to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. You maybe kind of put your kids through school. There's no telling what you're trying to do. Like, you need to be able to put food on your table and you want to take a vacation, you know, sometime too. And you should be able to do these sort of things. And some of the best and brightest minds are in the nonprofit field. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I definitely agree with you. And I feel, this is me, the government does not pull its own weight. They look to nonprofit to pull all the weight of everybody. And that is really hard work. And again, we have talked about this. It's feel oftentimes 
the government is not playing their role in whether it's housing, education, um, just overall anything that is just essential needs. They're looking to nonprofits yeah. um, to, to do this work. And in return, communities are looking at nonprofits too to yeah. do this very important work. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I feel like nonprofits in some ways are part of like the movement of privatization you know, where it's like, we're going to privatize everything, right? We're going to privatize the parking meters and everything else that we can sell off. We're going to privatize it. And nonprofits aren't getting paid like we're privatized. Like somehow we ended up like being part of the privatization, but not getting paid like it. Because you look at, you know, any big companies and you read about this all the time, like this thing went private and like, look at how much money they're making. Cause like that's messed up and they shouldn't be making that money. And it's like, yeah, well, nonprofits are basically privatization. You know, you've, you've outsourced all of this work and you're not paying us like that. And, you know, the flip side of that, of course, is that I think nonprofits can do better than privatizing corporate companies, you know, please let's not privatize social security or anything. Um, but I think part of it is because we can be like really great ambassadors for communities and because we can be a place that community can trust. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, again, we're just not being paid our value. We literally keep thinking of value only at the like, well, this is what the market pays nonprofit. And it's like, well, the market is wrong. Yes. Like, because when you think of the value in a community and about like what it means to have someone who speaks your language, who understands your experience, um, who can just literally be physically present in the community with you, like you are not paying us like you value those things. And yet supposedly that's why it's better for us to do it than to have you do it. And it's like, you know, I don't know, we can, you know, talk about like what the balance is between government and nonprofit, but certainly the thing that I think is is um is hopefully evident to everyone, right? Is that if we're gonna do that at that level, then we gotta be paid at that level, you know? Um, because yeah, there's a lot that government isn't doing. And it's like, okay, cool. If you believe that it should be the nonprofit's job, then you gotta pay us like it is. But you know, it's uh it is unfortunate some days to have conversations with people about budgets and about like public money because then you know people start shouting about taxes and you're just like all right well i'm done yeah i think you bring up such a good point of sort of that relationship between the government and nonprofits because even when you just look back over the last two years who did government turn to yes. to get the trust of the community when it came to whether it's vaccines, whether it was to masks and all these things, even to get the resources to community, it wasn't them. They were out here like, <laughs> like it was nonprofits. I mean, just in Chicago, I remember every nonprofit that I knew or had worked with was out here, you know, making sure that people were getting the mass that the governments were was providing, was making sure that, you know, vaccines, they knew where vaccines were, were mm -hmm. happening, that they were, you know, trust. And, and that's the thing, like, if you are out here doing that work that was all day, every day, weekends, there was no break. Like, I remember just seeing some nonprofits just going like, hey, we're just going to go do this. We're out here. They were out here, you know, exposing themselves, you know, and, and, you know, and doing all these things, you know, they weren't the ones, you know, working from home. Like you had people out here, uh, you know, like you said, being in the gap of it. And then what this creates, you know, and I said this uh, before uh, on, our, on our channel is, is creates this really idea of, community members, community residents, holding nonprofits accountable for everything and anything, mm -hmm. much more so than they hold our elected officials, mm -hmm. you know? And this creates this dynamic of like, well, nonprofits aren't doing their job. I was like, no, nonprofits are doing their job. What mm -hmm. you want is policy change. What you want is something that nonprofits can't do. They can advocate and they can, you know, open, but you, what you want is your elected official, whether it's your government, whether it's your alderman, the mayor, your governor, senators, like that's what you're looking for, but you're not holding them accountable. Exactly. Uh, you know, and then, you know, government gets to 
you know, in a sense, scapegoat everything to the nonprofit realm. Yeah. Like, well, they're not reaching the numbers that they should be reaching or they're not whatever was like, ah, uh, no, it's, it's your job. If that's what you want done or change or whatever, like that's mm-hmm. for you to be out here and <laughs> creating this trust in the community. But to your point, like the nonprofits are the ones holding all of the keys and yet you're we're treated as if no you're not holding anything you're not very important so we're you know you keep doing god's work you keep volunteering you keep getting the bare minimum and then you know but you know when we need you we're gonna reach out yeah yeah Mm-hmm. It's a lot like, um, you know, there was so much talk about like the heroes of the pandemic and the frontline workers are all these great heroes and everything. It's like, so you should be paying them like they're heroes. Again, going back to like the minimum wage, going back to like, you know, um, you know, the the number of people who realize just quite like essential teachers are when they had to like be at home with the kids all day. It's like, but you know, when the teachers want to raise, everybody's mad and it's like, but you we talk about this and I think it's the same thing with nonprofit, right where it's like you're out here and like yeah like you're it's amazing the work that you all did during the pandemic well it's like yep now if only we were getting money that matched that like now if only we were getting the resources that matched all of that um and I also think that there's like a such a a disconnect that is to be expected um, between like people's like lived experience and what is happening right in front of them and policy. Like you said, the amount of times that like we will get yelled at or someone is frustrated with us over something that's like, it's, it's literally policy. Like I cannot do anything about this, you know? And it's like, but we are more than happy to work with you. Like let's write a letter and let's advocate and let's go see our elected officials about this thing. Um, and, and people are often, you know, it's exhausting because you are working maybe multiple jobs to like keep the roof over your head and you don't have the time to go out here and be like, yeah, I'm just going to like spend an hour talking to this elected official. Um, and so we're, as as usual, it's like another way in which nonprofits are caught in the middle, right? Where it's yeah. like, you know, people maybe do want to once they understand because they don't always understand at first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, literally this is, this is, it's, it's policy. Like I can't, I cannot change this. Um, and I mean, that's honestly the other part of, of direct service that burned me out at some point yeah. where it was like in following it back where it was like I need to understand the root of this problem and you would like dig in deeper and you're like okay actually the root of this problem is policy it's that you know if you want to maintain social security benefits you can't have too much in assets because god forbid that someone who's on social security be saving for themselves you know it's you know that like in order to like be on on food stamps like you know the father of your child can't be living with you right. because then the household income is too high yep. you know like and so you're like i don't whoa you know and like and and there's also a lot of people who do understand that it is a policy issue but they're just trying to survive so they just figure out how to work the system and then they just do that because it's like, I don't, I don't have time to go advocate to my elected official. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this thing over here to like get around this system that isn't working. Um, but I wholeheartedly believe that a lot of what isn't working are policy things and they can only have policy solutions. Yes. And, you know, and I think all nonprofits need to be participating in advocacy of some sort, you know, like, because policy work is the only work that we need to really um that we need to do collectively right i think we should all be working to work ourselves out of a job like i want the policies to all change to such a dramatic point that like no one needs like me to be like building affordable housing that everyone's like nope good peace all the policies are like good enough that this works and i think that that has to be um important for all of us and i think that all nonprofits should be doing that work that was good that was really yes. good <laughs> oh that was great it really was yeah martina i'll let you well i just um gosh i'm trying to put my thoughts all together i, I think you know we often talk about the band-aids and that's normally 
what the government does. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you know, give you a little something here or there. And it's not enough to actually sustain yourself or your family if it's more than just, it's just a Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, I'm all for people voting. I think it is very important to vote, but it's also very important to make sure the people you're putting in office are actually going to be doing something. And to me, that's that can be difficult because I think, you know, a politician is a politician, uh, you know. and But every now and then, I think you do get some mm -hmm. that care. It's not just a machine. It's not trying to be the next senator of what or what, maybe even president. Um, they actually are here to make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, like you're saying, a lot of these issues, no matter if it's housing or food, education, those are policy changes. And it's just always so interesting to me is that government never, they are not focusing on that. They're not, again, they just come with these band-aids you know, we're going to give you, what, $600 stimulus check and think that solves all your problems. It doesn't. Um, and I don't know how we're going to get there, when we're going to get there. But it'd be great for government to really open its eyes. Because I feel like these things, they know. They have to know. They, you know, I, I feel like, or they just walking around with, like, rose-colored glasses on. Yeah. I feel just like they have to know the situation that this country is in. And in many ways, it's just getting worse. I hate to be pessimistic about it, but in a lot of ways, it's getting worse. And people just sitting here looking around, like, I, I don't know, I don't know, when there are things that really can be done. And again, like we have the gap between rich and poor and middle class is just continuing to grow. And nobody seems, when I say nobody, government seems to be trying to do anything about it. And I don't know, is it because they've got something? It always feels like to me when I look at politicians, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. And if it's not in my interest, I'm not doing it. And I just feel a lot of these issues, social issues, are just often get discarded. Yeah. I think that the answer to why we're not having any, why we don't get any movement on that is very much racism. Because racism is always the answer to any of this, right? And I think that um, systemic issues just so often impact you know, women, women, um, people of color, you know, like, again, people who are just consistently disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. I think that it can be incredible to have elected officials that are community-based, that are homegrown, that are local, that you can actually, like, you know, trust to know the issues. And I think I... I am incredibly cynical about politics very often. Um, and I try not to be weighed down by that because I also know that um, with a little bit of effort and making sure that like the people who are representing us are the people that like really do understand and care about the issues, like we can get there. And you know, there are some terrible politicians out there and there are mm -hmm. some incredible politicians. Mm -hmm. And like, I get it. Sometimes it's easy to be like, all politicians are the same. And it is like, it, it is not like, and we can see this based on like the work that is getting done based on who's doing work, based on who has receipts and who doesn't. And you're like, mm, nope, not all politicians are the same. And if we don't treat them the same, um, I think it can be to our advantage, right? Where like we hold everyone accountable. Yeah. And if you pass the accountability test, cool, we will vote. And if you don't pass the accountability test, we got to figure out something different. But it goes back to community and community having to be organized and community having to like get together and be like, this is what we are looking for. And if you do not meet these standards, like you are not going to go anywhere. And I think, you know, in some ways, right, like the biggest prime example of this for better or worse um, was... Obama, like, you know, Obama, like, ran, like, a ground campaign and, like, uh, a, a campaign that, like, made a difference in a way that I think many of us were cynical about it making a difference in terms of him getting elected. Whatever issues may or may not be there once he got elected, being different. Um, but, like, I think there there is a way, like, being involved and, and, and knocking doors and making donations and, like, really being supportive of the people that you believe can actually make a difference and you know can make a difference and that have been your community people, like, people can win. Like, it, it is possible. Um, we, we can't get so cynical about politics that we don't participate 
because that's where all the power is. Yeah. Because that's where all the policies is getting made. And that's where we have to be able to say to like, you know, our representatives and our Congress people, like this is a problem that we have and you got to go fix it because it has to be fixed at a policy level because I am tired of putting a bandaid on this problem day after day and person after person. And like, if I'm tired putting the bandaid on, imagine how tired the person is who's been wearing that bandaid for their entire life because they are at the intersection of all of these disenfranchised groups. So it's like, you have to go make a difference. And so I, I, again, I get real freaking cynical about politics some days, but I, I do try not to live in that space because we, it's the only way it's, it's where the power is. And it's like, all right, well, then we're going to live in the world as it is. And the world as it is means that my politicians and my elected officials are making the rules. And here's how I need you to change the rules because otherwise we're never going to get ahead because we're paying, we're playing right now by rules that are meant to not let us get ahead. The system is not broken. The system is working exactly as it is meant to be. And it is not meant to serve us. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have anything else to add <laughs> to what you just said was that. <laughs> anything. This is such a powerful <laughs> way to uh, really close out this, this episode. Because, um, yes, I think we all can become very cynical, mm -hmm. particularly with politics and, and politicians, but you are right. That's where the power is and that's the world that we live in. And that is how we have to operate and that's how change comes to be. And mm -hmm. uh, it isn't until we, uh, the people, really start participating more and, and being uh, intentional about it. Mm -hmm. um, even with all of the barriers that exist for us yeah. for everything yeah. um, if we can find the the time to be intentional um, I think it definitely makes uh, a difference but yeah. uh, Lisette thank you so much yes. for spending time and sharing your, your thoughts your wisdom <laughs> with, yeah. with us your experiences um, but I just want to make sure any final things you want to say Anything else that you just want to kind of put out there uh, before we completely close out? Um, no, I appreciate both of you so much for um, having me on for this conversation. I always love conversations where I feel like we can just keep going for hours and talking about <laughs> the same subjects and topics. Um, you know, but I think I, I think for me, the thing that I will always come back to, and, and you know, and I, I said this before, right, is that it's that community can make the difference. Even when we talk about elected officials, it's about, you know, like we can come together as a community and figure out like who the right people are to like go represent us. We don't have to just be presented an option and be like, well, I guess this is all we've got. Like community can take leadership and letting community take leadership. And when you're in a position of power and privilege and saying like, I'm going to listen to what community has to say, I think like that's where the magic happens. That is where like the third way that like isn't, you know, like us losing out on both like um, like opportunities, new opportunities, but also on like what we have that we want to keep. Like, I think that can be found all in community. And so I just encourage all of us to like find community and keep community and keep community at the center of what we're trying to do. Thank you. Martina, any final words? If I say something else, we'll be here another two hours. <laughs> I just want to thank you again. <laughs> um, and you are part of the family. Yes. Um, and we probably gonna have you come. You know, there's no problem. You'll be back. back. You'll be back. You so will be back. You. Yes. Oh, uh, thank you again, Lisette. Thank you to those that are watching or listening. Uh, I hope you have gained as much um, wisdom and sort of just knowledge and hopefully a little bit of inspiration yeah. uh, to go out there, find that community. I love what you you said, Lisette, about uh, not just being presented a political choice, but community being able to present their choice for who they want to want to represent i think that is something that doesn't often happen mm -hmm. um and i love the idea of that being the norm of like hey here's who we want here's who we're gonna put on the ballot here's who we're going to do so love that so i, I i'm a little motivated it is <laughs> you know so i'm gonna take this uh these you know conversation this one and the one we had uh last week and definitely uh, taking some notes and things to kind of just marinate and, and think on and 
we look forward to having you back Lisette, in the future you're definitely coming back there's so much more we can talk about Absolutely. Uh, but thank you everyone i hope uh, you all have uh, a great rest of your day, evening, whatever time you're listening. Uh, I hope it, it was enjoyable. And we look forward to talking and seeing you next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>